0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Heartland After Dark podcast. My name is Joe Tillery. I'm joined by my co-host Derek Duke. We talk about the Big Twelve, we drink some drinks, and we talk about everything going on across the slate. Derek, how are you doing, my friend? How are you doing today? Oh, Joe, doing pretty good. Another week of Big Twelve football action. A uh,
1: great weekend, and looking forward to another great weekend ahead. And obviously, uh, a lot of craziness uh, that happened this weekend that we're going to get into.
0: You know, you mentioned it. I mean, you saw how much happened this weekend, and I gotta tell you, sometimes when you don't know what to drink, you just gotta go for a beer. You get out of whack, things start happening. You know, there's games that are ridiculous, and we'll talk about them later. Tonight, I went straight Bush Light, safe bet. Derek, what you got rocking by your side?
1: Joe, I've actually got the same thing, man. I went to the store on Friday and saw that six-pack of Tallboy Bush Lights for $5.50, so
0: I, I had to grab it. I didn't have a choice, so Decided that to crack a, one of those open today. That is a steal. 550 for six tall boys. Yep. It's a good day right there. Well, I tell you what, while we're cracking our ice cold bush lights here, we got some football to talk about. Derek, I don't even know how to how to tee this one up for you. I'm just gonna give it to you here. Houston and West Virginia. First of all, what a game. Let me ask your thoughts on this, because this was one of the wildest second halves, wildest fourth quarter, wildest anything that we've seen all year. Derek, what did you take away from this game?
1: Yeah, you kind of said it right there. It was a pretty slow game. Uh, West Virginia had control for most for about three quarters there, and then you saw a fourth quarter that both teams combined for forty-two points. <laughs> so it would just really kind of came out of left field. I didn't see, certainly didn't see that one coming. Um, just kind of for for both teams here. Westford starting with West Virginia, I thought they played a, a decent game on offense. I mean, you score thirty-nine points against a team like Houston, you expect that to get the job uh, done for them. Unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, They had some major, major breakdowns uh, defensively, especially in the second half. And that secondary got absolutely torched. Uh, That's been an area of concern for West Virginia all season long. Um, You know, West Virginia looked dead in the water there for a second. And then, you know, with under a minute left, I think it was actually under 30 seconds left. uh, Garrett Green throws that pass uh, to Hudson Clement. And I think they score with like 12 seconds left to take the lead. And I'm like, oh, this is game over for West Virginia. They're going to escape Houston with the win. All of a sudden, Garrett Green gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, the kickoffs, you know, push back, and Houston's in pretty decent field position. They make – Donovan Smith makes a throw. and <laughs> Next thing you know, on the last play of the game, around midfield, he just chucks it down the field, and, and uh, Stephon Johnson comes up with it. So uh, just an absolute crazy last play. I don't think I've ever seen really anything like that in a Big 12 football game. The last Hail Mary that I can think of that that really worked – would have been, I think it was 2016. I am thinking Central Michigan and Oklahoma State uh, on that wild last play, and that, mm-hmm. that 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 pass actually didn't even reach the end zone. It was a guy that caught it ten yards out and ran it in. So uh, this one was really crazy for a tip drill, um, but I, I've never seen anything like that. And you know, I'll give credit here to a guy that we've been really really hard on, Donovan Smith. He throw he throws for over 250 yards. Four touchdowns, no turnovers, by far his best game as a
0: Houston Cougar. Man, I mean, you said it. You know, Looking through his stat line on the day, the guy had six incompletions, 21 of 27. He threw two touchdowns less than the amount of incompletions he had in the game. That's impressive. The dude played great. And I love there was a quote from Dana Holgerson after the game talking about just the drastic swing. He went from the most pissed off he's ever been in the history of the sport to the happiest he's ever been in 32 years of coaching, whatever the exact number was. What an outcome. What an absolute outcome. Watching this game, like, you know, you said it. It looked like this was West Virginia's. Obviously, they were stale for a little bit in the game. But the team looked like they had done it. I mean, 12 seconds, plus it's Houston's offense. Even though they had been effective at that point, it wasn't something that they could rationally do in my head. I'm not going to be too much of a stickler about it, but, like, the 15-yard penalty from Garrett Green there, the unsportsmanlike, can't happen. Cannot happen. That's a tough look to to start things off, but... Man, the thing I think about this with this game, you know, you can highlight specifics, you can look at team stats. You know, one thing that stuck out to me was the amount of plays. I mean, West Virginia severely, you know, beat out Houston in total plays. You had 82 to 53 in this game. Obviously, there's a thousand plays in the fourth quarter there for both squads. But what I take away from this is this game just shows me how crazy the Big 12 is. You know, this is a game that I think everybody had West Virginia written in for except maybe Donovan Smith and Dana Holgerson. This is a crazy thing to see how quick things change. You know, you have West Virginia. Coming into the season, you're looking at Neil Brown like the first guy that's going to be in the hot seat and headed out soon. Or one of the first guys, for that matter. And then you get off to a couple of wins. You beat some good teams. It's like, hey, you know what? Look at what they've done. And they lose to Houston. Obviously, not just to dunk on Houston or something like that, but they've struggled this year. It's just a volatile league, and it's crazy to see the up and down. On that front, you never know what's going to happen from week to week, and I would pitch you this. Speaking of another game where some wild heroics happened, of just something that I don't know if there was a bingo card in the world that had any fraction of what happened in this magnitude, but we had Kansas State and Texas Tech, a game that featured some quarterbacks we hadn't seen before, actually. I mean, we'd seen limited snaps for in one case, but Derek, what'd you think of the Wildcats and the Red Raiders? It was a historic day for Avery Johnson, that's for sure. If you'd have told
1: me uh, going into this game that we were going to see four different quarterbacks, uh, I would have said you're crazy, but that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier, I remember we were talking to you during the game, uh, asking about Avery Johnson, and you showed me that quote from Colin Klein saying that they had an actual game plan for him. And, man, it, it it certainly worked. I mean, Johnson didn't have to do anything with his arm because he was just running all over the Red Raiders' defense. I mean, he ran for... Five rushing touchdowns, which is the FBS freshman record all time, and then also tied a a Kansas State record with Colin Klein and somebody else that I cannot remember off the top of my head. But it, it was maybe the best freshman performance I've ever seen from any player. I mean, five rushing touchdowns in a game, that's hard enough to do. But you come in here as a true freshman in Lubbock, Texas at night, and you put on a performance like that, that that's historic in my book. So uh, kudos to, to Avery Johnson. He looks like the real deal. And I'll say this for Kansas State. After watching Johnson play, I, I don't really know how you can go back to Will Howard. And Will Howard's a guy I've been very supportive of over the last few weeks. I know he had a bad game against Oklahoma State where he threw three interceptions. But, you know, watching them rotate and then once Johnson took over, I, I don't know how you put Will Howard back in the game. Uh, so, so for me, that that's a really big question kind of coming up for Kansas state, but ultimately uh, Johnson led them to that victory. And that, that was huge, man. That was, that was big. And I believe I saw a crazy stat and I don't want Iowa state fans to come after me again, <laughs> but uh, it was, I think the only the third quarterback in big 12 history for, to rush for three touch uh, six, excuse me, five touchdowns in the game. Uh, the last person to do it was Joel Lanning back in 2016 and then Colin Klein back in 2011. So, uh, he joined some, uh, I guess you would say elite company. I don't know about Joe Lanning, but he's uh, definitely elite company. But how cool is it for Colin Klein to be his offensive coordinator too? So kind of makes it just that more special. Um, as for Texas Tech, man, uh, this season they fall now to three and four with this loss. And, you know, coming into the year they had, Joe, they had, we we were talking about this team as being one of the dark horse contenders for a Big 12 title. I know Pete uh, picked him to go to Arlington as well, so... A lot, a lot of high uh, expectations for the Red Raiders entering the season. I believe they were picked fourth going into the year, and now they fall to three and four. I mean, you're now they're now sitting here with their third string quarterback and Jake Strong. You already had Tyler show go down to injury. You had Baron Morton uh, get injured in this game in the first half and didn't come out for the second half, and then now Jake Strong had to be the guy, the third string quarterback. And I'll say this. I love the confidence that Texas tech had in this young man to throw the ball downfield a uh, hundred times or what it seemed like. But when he throws three interceptions at some point, you gotta, you know, you gotta put the leash on him and, and kind of contain things a little bit. You can't just let him go out there and throw it 50, 50 yard bombs and, and hope it works because it wasn't working. And what I don't understand about this Texas tech offense earlier in the year, they went away from Taj Brooks. Who's not one of the, you know, who's one of the best backs in college football. Um, and they shy away from him early in the season and they kind of got away from the running game. Then they started feeding him a little bit. They had some success and then they go back to where they were earlier in the year. You have a third string quarterback. Why are you chucking the ball downfield so much? You had Taj Brooks averaging almost six yards a carry in this game. I don't, I don't understand what Texas tech's doing offensively. Again, the confidence in Jake strong must be incredible for him to just be thrown down the field that many times. But I, I don't know. I'm almost at a loss for words for this tech team. And, I think this is going to be another rough year for him. Unfortunately, um, you know, especially after those high expectations. And and Joe, let me—I'll uh, leave you uh, going into this stat here. Texas Tech has not won eight regular uh, eight games in a regular season since Mike Leach was on the sidelines. They're already sitting here with four losses. There's no way they're going to get to eight wins this year.
0: That is ridiculous to hear out loud. That's crazy to think about all the great players they've had come through there. They've, You know, it feels like they've had some great seasons, but you know, you said it to get to eight wins, maybe I'm being this guy, but like, that's not the biggest feat in the world here. I mean, yes, eight wins is still a great season. You should feel good about that, but that is definitely in the grasp of Joe McGuire. I know it's early in his tenure, but like everybody, you know, felt good, at least felt good about this Texas Tech team. I don't know how they've fallen out of favor this fast with Taj Brooks because Brooks, I mean, even in this game, averaging upwards of five yards a carry, you know, didn't touch touch the ball a ton. I mean, he got 17 carries, which sounds like a lot when I say it out loud, but this was a game where why are you having your freshman quarterback coming off the bench and throwing it 28 times down the field, especially after three interceptions? That's not the way to get back into this game. I mean, you think about it. Even when Strong comes out there, because I think Baron Morton finishes off the first half, then Strong comes out to start the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. The crazy part about it, they had, you know, they go down the field. Jake Strong runs for, I think it was a 54 yard run down the sideline and then gets the, the Red Raiders into the end zone. They take the lead 21 17. And this was where the decision was made for Kansas State. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But he goes down and gets the lead out of halftime. I'm sitting here thinking, okay. No matter what happens, hey, even if Kansas State goes and scores, it's a one it's a one possession game. Keep your offense rolling, get the ball to Taj Brooks. Then when Kansas State inevitably has to cl- crowd the line of scrimmage, that's when you can try to get some some matchup on the outside. Because I know I know we've talked about it. You know, K-State secondary hasn't been great this year. This game, I mean, they snagged three picks, and part of that is, you know, you're going up against a true freshman, or excuse me, just a freshman. I'm not sure if it's tr- if it's his first year or not. I think it was a true freshman. Uh, but I don't know what the game plan was there. That's like, that's one where you question the offensive coordinator. You question Joey Maguire, You question a lot of people in that organization to see how that game was handled. Now touching to K-State, Avery Johnson is unbelievable. And I know we've seen him for one game. You saw him a little bit in some of the non-conference schedule, but you never saw him throw it. The dude has an arm. He is an athlete. That guy, man, I've been very vocal about Will Howard and supported him to this point as we both have. Because you think about it, hey, this guy won you a Big 12 championship last year. And it wasn't a convenience, hey, this is our quarterback, defense carries us, receivers carry us, whatever the case is. Will Howard was one of the best quarterbacks in the in the league last year. You know, top two, top three guys, maybe four if you want to make the argument. This year, that regression is there, which I hate to say that word, but it, it doesn't look like the same Will Howard we saw last year. Avery Johnson is not letting any any opportunity slip. Five touchdowns in one game. The dude looks like he runs a 4-3 out there and has all the confidence in the world. I think the biggest thing, like, if I'm a fan and I'm sitting there saying, you know what, Will Howard won a Big 12 title last year. We've got some good things going. I don't know how you can even justify it based off the difference in the offense. You know, the last couple of weeks, okay, Oklahoma State was a tough game. I don't want to just point fingers at Howard in that that sense, but the offense never really got going. And obviously the Oklahoma State loss looks a little bit better now that you see the type of team they are. But Avery Johnson has so much explosion with this offense. And I think that's the way, that's what we're going to see. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, an 80 20 thing with Howard coming in or what the case is going to be. But next week against TCU is going to be a heck of a game featuring some young quarterbacks. And I know I'm excited to talk about that. Moving on here to the next one the game I teased a little bit Oklahoma State and 23rd ranked Kansas. A game that I believe I rolled with KU on this game. I didn't know if uh, Oklahoma State would rise to that challenge. Ultimately, this game had tons of points scored, a lot of stuff down the field. But in the end, Oklahoma State comes up and makes some big plays. Derek, what'd you think of Mike Gundy's squad getting their second straight win at home? They finally gave the ball to Ollie Gordon. It's something that we've been <laughs> waiting for
1: all season long. And they give him they fed him 29 times on the ground, had 168 yards, a touchdown. Gave him six passes, caught 116 yards, caught, had 116 yards receiving and a touchdown. So he not only, not only led the Cowboys in rushing, he also led them in receiving as well. And he was just the star of the show. Much like Avery Johnson for Kansas State, uh, the star for Oklahoma State on Saturday was definitely Ollie Gordon. And, you know, this is what happens when you give him the football. He's a talented young man. Uh, that This guy should be the feature of their offense and should have been the feature of their offense. For the last six games unfortunately they just realized i guess they had him on the team for like the last two or three games uh because early on in the season he was getting like seven or eight touches he was lucky to get seven or eight touches a game and now they gave give him the ball almost 35 times in this game so that was really really good to see thought alan bowman wasn't great but he was super efficient with the football didn't turn the ball over through two touchdowns uh oklahoma state looked like vintage oklahoma state to me uh in this game and just when we counted Mike Gundy out, um, you know, going into that Kansas State game, he comes off and reels back to back wins uh, against two very good teams in the Big 12 against Kansas and Kansas State. So, really, really good to see from Oklahoma State. And maybe, maybe things have they finally turned the corner, um, what we've been waiting on all year long. So, this is also what happens when they stick with one quarterback. So, I think fig- I feel like Oklahoma State is finally starting to figure things out. As for Kansas, I was honestly surprised at, at Kansas' performance, and I know they, they lost and, and it really stinks for them, but without Jalen Daniels, I didn't really think this team stood much of a chance. Um, but, you know, Jason Bean, to his credit, threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, he had a couple turnovers, but on a day where Kansas really didn't run the football, which is their kind of their bread and butter on offense, I thought Jason Bean, as a backup quarterback, did a fantastic job for them, gave them an opportunity to win the game there at the end. Uh, unfortunately, uh, couldn't get the job done for me. Uh, the problem with Kansas is going to be their, their defense. Their defense was absolutely awful in this game. Gave over two up over 200 yards on the ground. They let Ollie Gordon run all over the place. And, uh, and something else that really bothered me watching Kansas on Saturday was special teams. That was an absolute disaster. They missed two extra points. I think both of them got blocked. And then at, at towards the end of the game, they were just going for two every single time after they scored a touchdown. So, they left some definite points on the board, and, and who knows, maybe that last drive of the game turns out differently because instead of you know needing a touchdown, probably all you would have needed was a field goal to maybe even take the lead. So that was a really big deal for Kansas, and the, the, those are things that definitely need to be cleaned up. And I also wonder now, are we ever going to see Jalen Daniels again?
0: That is the question. That is a great question. You know, that is what I had in my mind going into this game. I kind of considered, you know what, Oklahoma State, this is going to be a close game, but Jason Bean hasn't looked – you know, he's not Jalen Daniels. That's the best way to say it. The dude goes out there and throws for, you know, closer to 500 yards. I guess, well, close then closer to 300. Let me say 400 yards passing out there. Five scores through the air. Yeah, he threw two picks, had a couple of turnovers. I don't know, man. This Kansas team is really interesting because it feels like they keep pointing towards, all right, hey, we're ready to be that third – fourth tier, second tier, but third or fourth ranked team in the big 12. And then something like this happens where granted credit to Oklahoma state. And to this point, even though at times, you know, Mike Gundy was the easy guy to criticize because of the horrendous three quarterback rotation thing going on earlier. The team has improved, but Kansas baffles me when I watch them play football, they go through stretches where they look like they can take down Texas, Oklahoma. They look like they go through stretches where they can beat anybody in the country. And in the next 10 minutes, it is, I mean, the defense doesn't get much better, but it's horrendous play from multiple people. Things aren't going right. You mentioned the special teams. I mean, that was the that was the hardest part to watch. Two missed extra points, one blocked, one I think shanked, maybe two blocked. And then you go for two every time. And then the first one, they don't get. Second one, there's some stuff going on. It just, you can't have that. Especially if you're going to win close games, you cannot have that. There's missed calls. You can talk about the potential offsides that people are kind of, kind of harping on in that last drive, but... Even if you convert that, you still have to go the rest of the field. You know, you need a touchdown to get in. I don't know. It just didn't feel like a game where Kansas had the momentum in that second half. I mean, they had a commanding lead at times, but it just it didn't click. And I don't know what it's going to need. But you mentioned the Jalen Daniels thing. Sorry to keep harping on Kansas, but I don't know that we're going to see him this year. And I don't want to put that negativity out there, but this is his third straight game missed, fourth straight game missed. Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I believe it's the third straight game. Third straight game. We don't, I mean, he was there in street clothes, still back tightness stuff, haven't really gotten a ton of updates. It's just a weird situation to see, but I mean, Kansas, I mean, granted, you're not going to need Jason Bean to pass for 400 yards every game, but he's shown that he has capability to play well through stretches. This is a game that Lance Leipold's squad has to win, especially jumping in and out of the top 25 right there down the stretch. So that was kind of a tough one to see for KU. Oklahoma State, not a ton to say outside of, like, Ollie Gordon's the man. This What they did with Ollie Gordon, and we talked about it a second ago, this is what Texas Tech needs to do with Taj Brooks. That's what needs to happen. They'll give the guy 30 carries. It doesn't matter what happens on first and 10. The ball has to go to Taj Brooks. The guy's good enough. Ollie Gordon, you saw what happened. 100 yards rushing, 100 yards pa- er, receiving. The dude was all over. Alan Bowman wasn't incredible, but did make enough plays, which is a good thing to see. Oklahoma State is going to be an interesting team to follow because against all odds, I mean, Mike Gundy is proving, hey, don't look past us yet. You know, it feels like the culture's stronger than everybody, myself included, thought to this point in the season. That's a huge win this week. I mean, that's a big one for Mike Gundy's squad. Moving on here next, I've got another game to talk about that wasn't very close. Plain and simple, was not a close game. Iowa State, Cincinnati, the four new teams still struggling with Cincinnati in this case. Derek, what'd you take away from the Iowa State Cyclones and the Cincinnati Bearcats?
1: I take away that the Iowa State Cyclones are now in sole possession of second place in the Big 12 after this game. <laughs> uh, it uh, what what a game for Iowa State! This is probably probably their most complete game that I can think of that they have played so far this season. Their win against TCU was was pretty big, but I think this was probably on both sides of the ball their most complete game. Uh, offensively I thought Rocco Beck you know that he didn't his numbers aren't going to jump off you uh, off to you on the stat sheet but he was super efficient 241 yards two touchdowns didn't turn the football over Iowa State ran the football decently um but for me offensively Jaden Higgins was the man for Iowa State six catches 172 yards he was looking like Randy Moss out there against the bad Cincinnati defense um And how about the Iowa State special teams making some big plays as well, even had a fake uh, field goal uh, to score on that second drive. So, And defensively, I thought they did an outstanding job, held Cincinnati to just 214 yards and only one touchdown for the game. So uh, definitely both sides of the ball, Iowa State got it done. And this is a team that I think is quietly starting to get a little bit momentum that nobody's really talking about. Uh, But this is a team I really would not want to play if I wasn't a fan of an opposing team because uh, they're, they're getting definitely, they're definitely getting better uh, with Rocco Beck in that offense uh, as for Cincinnati. I, you know, I've compared them to Houston multiple times. I still kind of feel the same way. I know Houston just won uh, against, had a big win against West Virginia, but man, this, you know, I know Cincinnati's defense isn't great by any means, but this Cincinnati offense is so hard to watch. I mean, it, it really makes you want to put soap in your eye and not have to watch this thing because it is just atrocious. I mean, we've talked about Emory Jones at length here. I, would, I don't believe either one of us, Joe, think that he is a power five starting quarterback. I definitely don't think he is good enough to get the job done in this conference. Yes, he's athletic as all, all get out. And yes, he's probably maybe the most athletic quarterback in the Big 12, but he cannot throw the ball. He's not efficient with the football. He makes bad mistakes. He turns the football over. It's just the same thing over and over and over. And quite honestly, I, I'm tired of seeing it. And I think maybe Scott Satterfield was tired of seeing it because towards the end of the game, we saw backup uh, Brady Lynchenberg kind of come come in uh, for that last series. And Emory Jones was completely healthy. So maybe now there's a quarterback controversy in Cincinnati because I, I think it definitely needs, needs to happen or at least be discussed or have a thought about because you can't just keep rolling with this same pathetic offense and, and expect the same results. And. I think I texted you the stat, Joe, uh, on Saturday after the game, but Cincinnati now in their last 24 offensive drives at home has scored just one touchdown. I mean, that that's pathetic. I i, I don't have any other word to describe it. And uh, last thing I will say is that uh, this is – I don't know if you know about this, Joe, but this is actually the newest rivalry game uh, in the Big 12. It is labeled as the Chili Bowl. Mm. Uh, the chili bowl uh Cincinnati fans like their chili on noodles Iowa State fans like their chili with uh, a cinnamon roll so congrats to the uh, Iowa State Cyclones for winning the first ever chili bowl
0: you know speaking I, I will say speaking from the farthest part away from experience in this sense I have neither tried I have tried neither of those combinations have you had any uh cinnamon roll or noodle combination with your chili I did not. You know, I said something on
1: Twitter uh, earlier in the week about it, and it people acted like I was the crazy one for never hearing about that combo, the cinnamon roll combo. So uh, maybe next time uh, I make chili, I'll I'll make a batch of cinnamon rolls to, to go with it.
0: i tell you what, it might be a dark horse candidate. Let me do an exercise with you real quick. And not to put you on the spot here, but to keep talking about Emory Jones and Cincinnati a little bit, I agree with everything you said. Cincinnati did not look good. One touchdown in 20 plus, you know, 20 plus drops. That's horrible. That is absolutely terrible. Let me do an exercise with you here. I'm going to read you some quarterbacks in the Big 12 Conference. The starting quarterback for everybody, real quick. Who would you rather have? Dylan Gabriel? Easy. Not even at that. I'm not even going to have to pitch that one to you. Rocco Becht or Emery Jones? Rocco. Quinn Ewers? Easy. Yep. Combination of Will Howard or Avery Johnson?
1: I'd take it over Emory. Alan Bowman. I'd take Alan Bowman over Emory. Garrett Green. I'd take Garrett Green over Emory Jones.
0: How about Jason Bean? I mean, I, I'm I'm going to say Jason Bean because Daniel's a sideline for the foreseeable bit.
1: After watching Bean against Oklahoma State, I I think that's a definite yes.
0: Well, since I based the last one here, let me, how about Josh Hoover? One game into his TCU career. Uh, that's maybe a toss-up, but you know, after,
1: uh, you know, at least Josh showed me something that he can throw the football, so I- I'll give it to Josh Hoover.
0: Then I guess, I mean, I don't want to toss out a true freshman that hasn't, you know, I don't know how who's going to be back next game, so maybe Baron Morton, Texas Tech. That that's the answer. Yeah, look at all the quarterbacks across the board. Is there anyone in the conference that you would willingly choose right now, that you'd choose Emory Jones over?
1: Yeah, I I think it would have been him between a toss up between like him and maybe like Donovan Smith. But after Donovan yeah. Smith goes out and throws four touchdowns and you know, four hundred yards, or whatever it was, I, I think he'd I'd have Donovan Smith over Emory Jones right now.
0: Exactly. So I would say this. Sorry to drag that out a little bit, but the the emphasis is important here. Donovan Smith is probably the best answer you would say that's close. You know, there's a case, obviously Josh Hoover one game in, but he looked great in his first game. I know it's early, but that's the case. When you look across the board here. Emory Jones is not delivering. He is not the guy. And then I, I'd, I'd pitch you this. If Chris Kleiman in Kansas State sit down a defending Big 12 champion in Will Howard to try a true freshman out there. And I don't think there was any health injury involved in that situation. Will seemed to be, you know, active at multiple points in the game. Cincinnati has to do something. Absolutely. And I know it's not just as simple as say, oh, it's the quarterback's fault because that's kind of lame sometimes, but Cincinnati has so many issues on their offense right now and their defense. Everything is having issues. There needs to be a change. Scott Satterfield has to do something. Whether that be starting with Emory Jones or starting with whoever else on the roster they feel good about, you're not going to win games this way. That is just plain and simple. You're not going to win games this way. So sorry to be a little harsh on the uh, Cincinnati front, but I'll move on over to the uh, Iowa State front. You said it. I mean, this is a Matt Campbell team. This is just the most Matt Campbell team of Matt Campbell teams. You get a young developmental program. They're hungry. Nobody in the league, I would think, would willingly choose to play Iowa State right now. You know, even the Texases and the Oklahomas of the world, not excited to play Iowa State at this point in the season. They continue to get better, and they're going to be a sneaky one to watch. I mean, they kind of sit in that next tier of like, we don't know where this team could be at. They've got some pop to them. You've seen some big moments and some low moments. It's just going to be what's going to happen down the stretch here, because at some point they're going to go up against teams that are going to smack them in the mouth, but From what I've seen, I mean, the defense is competing. They've got the lead lead, leader in interceptions on that defense. Their offense looks decent. They've got some big plays when they need to and playmakers to do it. I was completely incorrect about this Iowa State team before the season started. Oh, there's a good chance this team, you know, what, a four-win team, five-win team? You know, maybe that's not the case now. I mean, the team's already getting to that point. It's crazy to see what's happening already with Iowa State. But I'll move on to the next game here. Next game and the final game of the weekend. Talking a little bit about Josh Hoover a second ago here. TCU BYU another lopsided game that I don't know if I saw it being this bad but TCU taking the win 44 to 11 over BYU Derek what do you think about this game
1: total ass kicking I I think that's the only way I can describe this game um Iowa State thumped Cincinnati pretty good uh in the 11 a.m slot and right after that I had to watch this and it was not (laughs) it was not easy to watch Joe um We talked about Josh Hoover a little bit. That was the big positive for TCU. Um, 439 yards, four touchdowns. He did have two interceptions. But, you know, much like Jason Bean as a backup, I mean, you can't really ask for much more out of your backup quarterback. So I thought he was fantastic and did a great job, I think, against a respectable BYU defense. Maybe not so respectable anymore, but really did a good job. Uh, J.P. Richardson had a big game, 104 yards and a touchdown. Uh, defensively TCU absolutely shut down the BYU all I mean BYU did nothing in this game and I mean nothing in this game and it was a good win for for TCU that I didn't really see this score coming I thought TCU probably was maybe the underdog in this game because I actually thought BYU had a chance to win but uh, boy was I wrong about this TCU uh, and this was a good bounce back for TCU because you know back-to-back weeks you lose to West Virginia you lose to Iowa State this was a much needed win for TCU to bounce back. And I kind of wonder if they're going to stick with Josh Hoover, if if Chandler Morris is going to be healthy. I still don't know his status quite yet, but that's going to be something to keep an eye on moving forward. As for BYU, I mean, Keaton Slovis, 15 for 34 and zero touchdowns and one interception. He throws throws uh, 152 yards. That's, that's absolutely pathetic. Uh, BYU, you know, much as the regular season, you know, much of the years went on, they cannot run the football. They, they didn't run the football early in the year. They still can't. They're averaging less than three yards a carry. I mean, this this offense was just – it was pathetic, Joe. I, I I don't really know what else to say about it. It was much like Cincinnati's perform, performance against Iowa State. This was just really, really bad. And how about this? They, Joe, they go – on third down, they go two of fourteen on third down, and they go one for three on fourth down. I mean, they they weren't even moving the they like they were not even moving the football at all. I mean, it was really tough to watch. And you know, for BYU, there's another interesting stat I'll I'll kind of get here get to here. Um, and I believe here, let me see the stat here, Joe. So with the loss against TCU, BYU is now fourteen and fourteen in day games since 2019 that's a problem Uh, you know i know the night the night atmosphere in provo was wild and maybe one of the craziest atmospheres in all of college football and maybe the most intimidating atmosphere now in the new big 12 but that that stat is appalling
0: yeah that is wild to see this was the game i got to cover this weekend we got to do a three thought story about each game this week be sure and go check those out in this game i mean i was struggling to find anything to mention remotely positive about BYU. I mean this was not a good look. And even today we wrote a story today on the website you can go check it out. There's a quote from Kalani Sataki after the game, basically where he reflected on his entire life it felt like based off the outcome of the game. He talked to the Salt Lake Tribune basically saying, all right, this is what happened in the game. they completely exposed us in a lot of different ways. I have got to re- I've got to reassess a lot of different things. That is awful. That is, I mean, you're saying the right thing. I get it, but that is a horrible feeling to walk away from, especially in a game where you're picking up steam. You've already got four wins looking to be like the most, you know, the most well-equipped of the four new schools, which I don't think many people picked BYU to be that team this early. That was a total collapse, malfunction, catastrophic failure from the team. 44 to 11. And I know that there's the argument to say, you know, Josh Hoover, that's a heck of a game. And even as you're watching the game, The team really let off the gas in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Like, it wasn't there to score points. It wasn't there to go crazy. It was just to kind of get out of there. BYU could not get anything going the entire game, even late in the fourth quarter, even late in the third quarter. They couldn't seem to get that going. I don't know, man. This is a tough game to have a positive takeaway from BYU. In terms of TCU, I mentioned it when we talked about K-State. Next week is going to be really interesting in that K-State TCU line with two young quarterbacks and Avery Johnson and Josh Hoover squaring off, that's going to be must-see TV in my opinion. And granted, because they are true freshmen, it could also explode in my face for saying that. But TCU looked great, man. The defense responded, which is the biggest thing you wanted to see. I mean, they have have not looked good. They've got playmakers on that side of the ball. You know, Jamoy Hodge, a couple of big names. The biggest thing I saw, like, like, you saw Colorado walk over them. And obviously now that has aged significantly worse than it looked at the time. They responded big. And BYU has put up some points against good teams. So it was a good weekend for TCU. And I think that they deserved this one. They've really been on the bad end of the stick here, just to start things off. But it's a good sign to see as they continue forward. Coming up next, let's talk about some all around thoughts on the weekend. Derek, what'd you take away seeing all these games? And you know what? This is what I think about it. I will well, let me let me actually start here because I don't want you to take my thing. It blows my mind how much this league changes on a weekly basis. And I apologize if I'm stealing your thunder coming into this week, you see West Virginia, you see teams that have the likelihood of sneaking into Arlington. If the certain thing goes the right way, Houston, obviously kind of putting a pin in that for now. We don't know what's going to happen. Teams can lose to anybody in this league. I don't understand how drastically different these teams can look, but I tell you what, I love to watch it. Every game is exciting. You never know what's going to happen it was a great week of football. I'll let you jump in with that.
1: Yeah, I, you know, keep going back to the word fall madness and that, that truly is, you know, that describes the big 12, man. It is, it is crazy week to week. It's like, you know, two weeks ago we were talking about Iowa state and Oklahoma state, like they were dead in the water. Like those teams were bottom of the barrel, the big 12, and here they are both. Uh, in the top five, of the conference standings. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned earlier Iowa state is in second place with the three and one conference record. And it's truly amazing from, like you said, week to week, how much things change and shift and, you know, teams that you thought were going to be really good this season, they kind of fell flat and teams that you expected, you know, nothing from uh, have really been surprising. So for me, that that's kind of just my takeaway overall. I mean, this is the second straight week, Joe, where every single underdog besides one, I believe, you know, one, you know, this week we had five games for the underdogs went out right, not just cover, they went out right, uh, which is truly incredible. And you had the same thing last week, I believe all the underdogs won a week ago. So that you know, and Pete says it all the time on his videos, where, where else, what other conference in college football do you see this happening? I mean, there are just so many teams that cannot separate themselves right now besides I mean, Oklahoma, granted is definitely at the top of the list and, you know, you could definitely put Texas at number two and that's fine. But when you talk about, you know, the rest of the teams in this conference, I mean, outside of, you know, Cincinnati and UCF, who are sitting at 0 and 3 in conference play, I mean, you have so many teams with one or two losses in conference play. It's not even funny. So as we, you know, continue to roll on throughout the season, I mean, the game of the week could definitely change uh, in a flash here.
0: You know, you said it, talking about the underdogs, we've seen two straight weeks where the underdogs have looked incredible. That trend may continue. We've got some good lines to talk about heading into week eight, which I'll read through now. We can do some game picks off of them. Starting off, we've got the Baylor Bears on the road at Cincinnati. Baylor is getting one point there. Cincinnati favored by one Oklahoma state at West Virginia, West Virginia favored by two in Morgantown, Texas tech two point favorite at BYU. The game's in Provo. These are where the lines start to get a little big UCF take it on the Oklahoma Sooners. This game is in Norman. UCF is getting 17 points. Oklahoma favored by three possessions in that game. And sticking with that message, Texas taking on Houston. This game's in Houston, How about a 20-point line? Texas favored by 20 over Houston. And to round things out, TCU plus six at Kansas State. Derek, let's start here and we'll go through the list. I'm going to toss you Baylor at Cincinnati here. Baylor getting a point as the underdog. What do you think about this line?
1: You know, as bad as Baylor's been, and I know they've been really, really bad, Cincinnati's been worse, man. I I don't know. I know this game's in Cincinnati, but... Uh, I'm taking Baylor in that one to win out. I mean, that's there's no way I can pick Cincinnati
0: right now. There is some magic, and there's something to be said for that stadium, but it's not it's not an argument. You know, you can't pick Cincinnati right now. I agree with you. So for the sake of it, I'm jumping on Baylor because that is that is not a line that I would touch Cincinnati with. Oklahoma State plus two at West Virginia. This game is in Morgantown. I'll start off here and talking about each team. This is a really interesting line. Because West Virginia has had some ups. They've had some downs. At home, they've been tough to beat. Once again, Oklahoma State has had two straight home games. They've beaten Kansas State and Kansas in back-to-back weeks. I can't really tell you why outside of maybe a general gut feeling that this team might be better than I think. I'm going to take Oklahoma State and the points in Morgantown. I don't feel great about it, but that's what we're going to roll with
1: i'm i'm actually right there with you joe after watching you know them take down kansas and kansas state in back-to-back weeks i feel a lot better about this oklahoma state team they're finally feeding ollie gordon the football uh alan Bowman's done a nice job managing the game i still think they need to work on some things defensively but i uh, you know i'm gonna be curious to see if that houston game has broke west virginia you know if they bounce back this week that that'll definitely tell me something about this team and where they're headed but if they don't, I think this could be an Oklahoma State team that could maybe win by a touchdown in this game.
0: Mm. Well, I'm interested to hear what you have next, and I'm glad you're going first on this one. Two teams that had some tough weeks this past week, Texas Tech and BYU. The game is a two-point spread. Texas Tech favored by two. That game is on the road in Provo. What do you think about that game? It's going to depend
1: on the quarterback situation for me for Texas Tech. If Barron Morton starting, I'm probably going to take Texas Tech in that game. However, if Jake Strong is getting in the start, I'm going to take BYU. So I'm going to have to put an asterisk by that game because it's going to depend on Texas Tech's quarterback situation. If Morton's in, I'm taking Tech. If Jake Strong's in, I'm going to take BYU in that game. And I know BYU looked awful, but they're definitely a different team at
0: home. I agree with you. You know, I think that there's, there's going to be a limit at some point where we're going to see Taj Brooks carry the football upwards of 25 times. Do I think that's going to happen at BYU? I'm not sure, but I'm going to take BYU at home. I know if they're getting two points. It's going to be a close enough game. Quarterbacks, I'm not entirely sure what the process is going to be, whether that be Baron Morton or Jake Strong. You mentioned it. I think I'll take BYU in the bounce back game. I think that the bounce back aspect there is going to be enough to probably get them over that hump. But also, you also have that same thing going for Texas Tech. So that's kind of the caveat there. Now, this is interesting because we've got a ton of points on the line here. UCF plus 17 at Oklahoma, man, I absolutely hate these giant lines, but I don't know. I don't know if you can really take UCF right now. They have had some big days, you know, they've put up some points on people. The only reason I would lean UCF, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to lean UCF ever so slightly and not because they're a good enough team to carry in. They're good enough to do whatever the backdoor cover is going to be in play here. (laughs) It's going to be an interesting one, but I will take UCF plus 17 for, you know, $3. I will not feel great about it. Let me hear what you got on that one.
1: I'm taking the Sooners all day on this one. I I do not trust UCF's run defense, uh, especially going on the road in Norman. Uh, Oklahoma's a hot team right now. I'm taking the Sooners, man.
0: Yeah, I I don't feel great about UCF. I'm just hoping that the backdoor cover is in play. Jumping into the next one, another one where there could be a backdoor cover. We'll see what happens. Texas minus 20 at Houston. Derek, what do you think about this game?
1: I know Houston had a miraculous Hail Mary win against a good West Virginia team. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what, I'm expecting that crowd in Houston to be like 65% Texas fans. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take the Longhorns here, and uh, an essential home game for them. Uh, give me Texas. I know it's a high spread, but I'm taking the Longhorns here.
0: You know, looking through the games I've picked, I realize now I've picked all underdogs. And I'm not going to change that. I'm going to take Houston plus 20. And once again, don't feel great about it. The only caveat I have is that I think if you play this game right after the Oklahoma-Texas game, Texas wins by, you know, 56 points, something crazy like that. Just with the amount of motivation and stuff on the sideline. The off week, yes, it still technically has a chance to skip that and kind of carry on into the next week. I do think that this game could easily be above 20. But for the sake of saying it, I will roll with Houston. TCU at Kansas State. I am going to flip my stuff up here. I believe it's me going first on this one. I think so. Um, If I'm jumping you, I apologize. I will take Kansas State minus six, pending that Avery Johnson plays, I don't know if I can go this deep on it, but 70% more of the snaps. You know, I don't want to touch it if it's a 50-50 Will Howard, Avery Johnson. I think that's going to be, you know, tough to actually tell. But if Avery's listed as the starter going into this week, I'm sure that Chris Kleiman, who's kind of known for putting an or on the depth chart, which I assume that's what we'll see next to Avery Johnson and Will Howard. I will take Kansas State if Avery's out there listed as the starter. What do you think about TCU and Kansas State? Man, if if Johnson's out there, I'm taking
1: Kansas State, but I, I think I'm going to take Kansas State regardless. Um, you know, I, I don't know the health about Chandler Morris, if Josh Hoover's going to be able to go on the road in, in Manhattan, Kansas, and get the job done. I don't like that situation for TCU. Uh, I'm going to take Kansas state in that one.
0: Well, I will jump right back to you here and ask which of these games you feel the best about. What would you put your Derek stamp on saying, this is my lock of the week.
1: I know it was a super high spread, but man, I'm going with the Sooners uh, to cover that 17 points against UCF. Um, I feel really good about Oklahoma and where they're heading. Uh, but and I can say UCF's going in the definite opposite direction of that, but, Sooners are six and oh against the spread this year. I think they're going to make it seven and oh on Saturday.
0: Well, that is a tough one to dispute. I'm going to go and jump on Baylor. I just don't believe in Cincinnati right now. I know that it's a home game, they're going to be a better team there, but there's just not enough to go off of. I think that you know, one point, throw out the point, take the money line. It's not going to be, it's not going to do you any favors. This isn't a game that is won by a last second, you know, feel going to the crazy. I feel like this game could be a touchdown game in the end. Maybe even more than that, depending on how they look. I feel good about Baylor in that one, but also knowing that they could end up exploding because that's just kind of how the Big 12 has been this season. And with that, I will ask you this. Do you have any ending thoughts? Is there anything you you know you saw about this week, you're looking to see next week? What is the biggest thing you took away? And what are you looking forward to going forward?
1: I think just another week of of great matchups, man. You know, we talked about earlier and our kind of over. Overall thoughts, just the craziness that what's going on in the conference from week to week, and this week was another definite shakeup. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen next week, man? I I just super can this conference is literally almost like impossible to predict. You know, we talked about the underdogs winning in back to back weeks. You know, do we see that again for a third straight week? I don't know, man. But this week's crazy, and and, you know, I know Texas and Oklahoma are kind of on this pedestal that everybody's putting them on and rightfully so they look like the two best teams in the conference, but you know, these teams still have to play on the road uh, in some of these tough environments. So I'm curious to kind of see moving forward uh, how they're going to handle the pressure.
0: I think, I mean, I agree with you first of all, but I think the thing that I'm, I'm really excited to see this week, there are some really great young quarterbacks in the big 12 and I can't wait to see them get another taste of action. We talked about Avery Johnson, Josh Hoover, Rocco Beck, obviously getting better with every week. There's a lot of names that I think could be the next wave of the big 12 and I cannot wait to watch them square off. Let me tell you this here, Derek, it is officially time for our last call. Do you have anything else to say to the viewers before we get out of here? Nope, I, man.
1: I think we're, we're kind of wrapped up and good. It's uh, a lot of teams on the bye week feels like it's been uh, a really big <laughs> slowdown compared to, you know, we had 14 teams flying for three or four weeks in a row to start off the year, but It's almost like we're kind of getting a little break here, but uh, pretty soon here, things are going to start eating up as the conference title race uh, picks up.
0: 100%. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening to the Heartland After Dark Podcast. Once again, my name is Joe. That's Derek. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Enjoy your football weekend, and we will talk to you soon.